0: game changers welcome back to purpose potential Podcasts, where we have conversations on what it truly looks like to live out your god-given purpose and the realities of walking it out my name is asia karen mcgee i'm a chicago-based image and personal brand strategist helping purpose-driven leaders experts and entrepreneurs to become the undeniable choice and i am also on assignment to help god's kingdom ambassadors to maximize their impact we are rocking and rolling and I am so excited to talk to you today about bringing purpose to life. This conversation is an excerpt from my Purpose Potential podcast launch and live taping that took place in Chicago with Dolores Tomorrow. She is a dynamic businesswoman and woman of faith. She is the executive director and founder of iGlow Mentoring Program helping high school teens Underserved around the city of Chicago in dynamic ways, she helps women of faith in business to level up to millionaire status and to truly walk out their purpose in business. And formerly, she served on the advance team for First Lady Michelle Obama, where she plans events all over the world. So in this conversation, she really drops some gems on us about her journey. She shares aspects of her story that I have never even heard before. She really just goes in depth about what it takes to operate at a certain level and the necessity of excellence and aligning yourself with the voice of God as you move about. So I hope you truly enjoy this. Dolores, tomorrow is someone truly to look for. Welcome to the stage, Miss Dolores Tomorrow. Thank you, Dolores. So, like, literally, like, I want to tell you guys. Let me not sit on the microphone. <laughs> um, like. The speakers today, and I actually have two that were caught up in travel, two others that, that were gonna come tonight, but everybody is moving in and out. Like Candace and my cousin Carl, they came from Indiana. Dolores is in between two countries right now. So, like, yes, for people coming out to come and spend time with us. So, I appreciate this. I do have the opportunity to talk to Dolores weekly, um, as she is my business coach, but um, I'm excited for this space just to uh, sit down and talk with her because one thing is like, I never, even in my experiences knowing Dolores for about a year and a half now, I still can't put together all the pieces of her resume. She is not a person that will always tell of what she's doing. She's not one of those people that like, make announcements and then you never see the product come from them. She'd be like, oh, by the way, I just came back from, you'd be like, like sometimes she'd be talking to us and just regular on social media, she'd be in a whole another country. But she just doesn't make a big show of it. She just got an Instagram page <laughs> um, this week. And so um, I really just want her to open up about her experiences on here, and I'm excited that my podcast is an opportunity for her just to kind of take us through her story a bit. Um, For anybody that's able to work for the White House, of course, we know that has to be a certain level of professional, a certain caliber of individual um, that comes there. But Dolores also, I mean, she has a fully functioning not-for-profit organization that she is the founder of and the executive director of, and they have serviced thousands of girls over the years. So, Dolores, welcome to Purpose Potential Podcast. Can you guys give it up for her? Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's always awkward when people introduce me because... Like, I'm really not that grand.
0: People are like, oh, my God. i like, girl, I'm just like you. So You're not that grand, you but you're great. Great introduction. So, I mean, you're a native of the south side of Chicago. Just kind of tell us a little bit about, like, what your childhood is like and take us up to the point of you graduating high school and what were your aspirations? What, what was your high school experience like? Um, did you know you were great early on? <laughs>
1: Um, So, I am born and raised in Chicago. I went to Kimwood Academy for high school. I then went to um, Illinois State University for undergrad. And so, I have a pretty normal life, um, middle class parents. All my life, like since I was three years old, um, my mother would tell me, you're going to be Oprah. And I don't even know if Oprah was Oprah when I was three But I've been programmed to know that I was going to be something great. I did not understand what that meant exactly. Um, I do recall being in high school, I struggled with what's now classified as like depression. I didn't know I was depressed then, you know. Now everybody, you know, is kind of depressed. But then I, and I don't say that in a joking way because it's a real thing, but I'm just saying at that time you weren't able to identify this is depression. And so I was struggling with depression, and the funny part is that. I was always popular. I was the class officer. Everyone knew me. Everyone loved me. I was the kid in school where I was best friends with the game bangers selling drugs. And I was also best friends with the geek getting straight A's. Like, I just loved everyone. But there was something different about me. And I did not know what it was. I had this affection towards God. And I didn't grow up in a religious family where people had affections towards God. But I couldn't identify it. But then here's the cool thing, well, it's not really cool, but I grew up in an environment where we did church, but we didn't do church, right? I knew how to go to church, I knew how, I mean, I remember the days I would fake shout, like I would be like, okay, if five people shout today, I'm gonna be the sixth. And I would like, you know, catch the Holy Ghost and then you gotta look to see it, you know, then you stop, I did all of that. <laughs> and so I knew God, but I didn't know God. And so through high school, I was dealing with depression. Um, I attempted suicide when I was in high school. And it's really one of those things where there is no feeling, like the feeling of being called, being special, and not having people to put language to who you are. So it's one of those things where it's easy to say I'm special, but how does this fit in the normal, everyday environment? How does it fit when I don't feel comfortable doing certain things and I don't really know who I am? And so I graduated high school, I was going to college, and I remember I graduated when I was 17. When I was going to college, I said to myself, God and all the angels, I'm like, listen, your daughter about to go down here to ISU and we gonna turn up, okay? Mm -hmm. Within the first 90 days, I'm gonna lose my virginity. I'm gonna go do this. I had it all planned out. Who plans that? I don't know, but I planned it all out because I thought that's the way it goes. And my third week on a college campus, I found Christ, like for real. Like, I knew of him, but now, I mean, this was a a moment where he captured my heart as a 17-year-old college student in my dorm room, no organ, no pastor, and it was an experience that I will never forget. And so, right away from that point, um, my leadership and people always being drawn to me, it started to make sense because I started to do ministry. So, I was a campus um, leader where I was leading the gospel choir, I was doing all these different things. And lo and behold, I was working on something called the University Programming Board, which is the the place where they plan like homecoming and all the different things that happen on campus. And uh, someone walked up to me and they said, Dolores, have you ever thought about event planning as a major? And I said, no. Now keep in mind, this is in 2003. Event planners, everybody event planner. You plan one event, now you are an event planner. At this time in 2003, it wasn't a popular thing. So I sat in the class and I fell in love. And so I shift my major to event planning and that's how I got into the event planning major. And I think I'm supposed to stop right now.
0: No, I mean, this is good. You always love when... The story just runs continuously from there. So, um, you know, I know you, so I'm going to shift to the next things because, I mean, really, there are so many segments to Dolores' story that you will never piece together from social media. So this is really our personal time to, to get these gems with her. So where were you in your life when you met the First Lady?
1: Yeah, so this is so much more powerful than the opportunity to meet the First Lady. The real power in this story that I'm about to tell you is the power of being obedient and being in position. I didn't do anything. I didn't want. I never wanted to work for no first lady. I graduated from high school with a two, I mean, from college with a 2.3 GPA. Okay, legit. I sometimes have nightmares that they're gonna call me and be like, you know what, baby, we need that degree back. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve that degree. So I was not someone who was looking for prestigious opportunities. I wasn't. I look. I was fresh out of college. I was making about $60,000 fresh out of college. I was in this prestigious job planning events. And before I tell you about how I met the First Lady, let me tell you this part. When I first graduated from college, I took a job with a company called Princeton Review. Princeton Review paid me, I want to say $35,000 a year, and I was, forgot what I was doing. But the fifth day I was there, that Friday, something said, this is not for you. Now, I was afraid to shift because my family, because also, I didn't say this, but right after college, I went into seminary school because I had this passion for God. I'm like, I'm about to travel the nations. And then in seminary, I'm like, wait, I thought this was going to be like Bible study every day. This is like, we got to do homework? I thought your homework was like, let me see you worship. And it's like, no, they want us to write papers. And so I dropped out of seminary. Yep, that wasn't for me. And so I got this job working for Princeton Review. And it didn't feel like it was for me and I was nervous because I have a Nigerian father if you know anything about Nigerian parents Yeah (laughs) And I was nervous. I was nervous about seeming unstable I was nervous about all of these different things, but I knew I was not supposed to be at that job So right away I started applying for new jobs within the fifth week of me being at that job I got offered another job this other job, the woman who hired me was like, baby, listen, you are not qualified for this job. I was coming in managing a $5 million budget and managing a team of four full-time, full-time employees. It's like, you're not qualified, but it is something about you, and I feel like I'm supposed to hire you for this job. That job was with National PTA, Parent Teachers Association. I was their meeting and travel manager. They have about 7.7 million members worldwide. I planned all of their conventions, and I managed that entire process. Um, in the year I met the first lady, there was a, she had a new partnership called Let's Move campaign, which was going against childhood obesity, all that good sexy stuff. When you're trying to go against childhood obesity, who do you want to partner with to do that? One of the largest parent teachers organizations in the world, PTA. She came on board. It was an event called our annual legislative conference. She came on board, um, like two weeks, anything, anybody know anything about politics and working at this level? You don't know where Auntie Michelle gonna be two, three months in advance. She literally confirmed like two weeks before an event, which is a major event. This is not like a little small event. So two weeks before the event, we found out she was coming. She came and who God made me. I am a natural, I am in, like this gift was, I can have 100,000 people in a room and I can be in control of every moving part. It's a gift that God has given me. And so here I am doing what I do, you know, a little OCD. And the one thing that White House staff saw that I did, so the first lady was coming out, um, it was probably like a two-minute countdown. There's a table on the stage. Now, keep in mind, there's about 150 media outlets in this room, cameras, all of this good stuff. I'm standing on the side. There's a table on the stage that has national PTA on the front, and there's wrinkles all in the tablecloth. I'm sitting there and I'm an event planner and I'm one of those petty event planners. Like when I watch different things on TV, I'm like, mm, what an event planner at? Because she is not doing her job. Like, how did she not see that? So, because I'm a little OCD at the same time, I carry a little pocket steamer with me. Um, don't judge me, it just is what it is. Um, I had a pocket steamer and I literally crawled on the stage and I'm steaming the skirt before the first lady comes out. Secret Service, like, get off the stage, girl. And lo and behold, the chief of staff at the White House after that event walked up to me and said, we want you on our team. And I said to her, because keep in mind, PTA had just moved me from Chicago to DC. I want to say they gave me like a $15,000 relocation bonus. Like, oh, I was used to getting a $900 refund check. So 15 grand at one time, <laughs> I was going to be with them for life, okay? So when, uh, when they gave me 15 grand and they still paid me my salary every two weeks, I was so confused with how that worked. You got to keep in mind, I'm 22. You don't know what's happening. So when White House came to me, I said, thank you so much, but PTA needs me. I can't leave them. And she like chuckled at me like, yeah, this baby young. Um, So she went to my CEO and basically said to my CEO, I don't know what conversation they had. I just know they came back. And my CEO said that he was changing my job to be a remote position that I can do from anywhere around the world. And I was going to be able to travel the world with the First Lady planning her events. To this day, I'm still confused at how it happened. Because it's one of those things where I worked two full-time jobs, basically. Um, But God gave me the grace to do it. And that's how I ended up working for the First Lady.
0: Yeah, I told Dolores our next step is we're going to rewrite her bio. I was like, Dolores, can you send me her bio? And she sent me her spiritual bio. And I'm like, this doesn't have anything in here. (laughs) So I actually want to touch on that a little bit as well because you went to seminary school. Dolores, you were the director of women's ministry for Tammy and Creflo and Tammy Dollars Church. Yep. Tell us about that. So keep in
1: mind, I'm special. I've been called. I'm marked. I've been marked my entire life. So you now take this person who's marked, who... Still, at the core, you'll never know because I know how to go into environments and I know how to represent Jesus without saying Jesus, right? I know how to be that person where it's like, something different about that girl. And let me get you on the corner and we'll be praying and getting you all of that good stuff. And so the thing was, the church rejected me. The church didn't know what to do with someone like me. What they wanted to do with me was to put me over the youth ministry or to do whatever, and I didn't feel called to do that. I didn't feel called to really serve in ministry. I felt like my calling was outside the four walls of the church, but they did not know how to disciple someone like me. And so I went years of feeling like I was the issue because I was told oh, you're rebellious. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm rebellious? I, got the re- I want to be delivered. I don't want to be rebellious. <laughs> like I was told all of these different things that to be honest, I started to embrace because I'm like, well, why else would the church reject me but the world accept me? So what happened was I had this passion for ministry. The church did not know how to disciple me, but the world did know how to disciple me. So I started working with the first lady, ended up with the Grammys, Oscars, list goes on and on, all the people I worked with. But this heartbeat for ministry, like I'm that person in church. I just love people. I love, I want people to have this relationship with Christ that I have, that is so much bigger than the four walls of the church. This this comforter that meets you when you're at your lowest low, I want the world to have that. And so I was presented with an opportunity to move to Atlanta to run the women's ministry for Creflo and Tappy Dollar. And at the time in my life, I had done all these great things. I had already did the Oscars, First Lady. It's like, yes, it's now time to go back and give to Jesus' people. And so I (laughs) took this position, not realizing it's an amazing ministry. And it's one of those things, that ministry... What you see on TV is one thing, but what they really do for the community and how they impact their community, it's an amazing ministry, and it was an honor to be a part of that ministry. But God did not call me to the four walls of the church. I'm still trying to make sense of my calling. Why would you give someone like me all of this, and I'm supposed to be a preacher. What else am I supposed to be? What else I do? Tell me who else you know out here who are doing major things that's not like a preacher. Like, generally, you still preach. And so I did that job for all of four months. Um, maybe three months actually. Um, and I gave my notice because it wasn't what God had called me to do. I can tell because because of the life that I live, I live in a state of rest all the time with God. And so when, my, when I don't have rest, when I don't have peace, I'm off and I know I'm off. And that's how I felt with being in that
0: role. And so I left and I came back home and I started doing more corporate events and things like that. I love that. I love that you said, I didn't have peace and I felt off. And so that's one of your indicators when you're not in alignment. Are there any other indicators that you've had where you were just like, because I know you're very intuitive. Um, so, So I do work with Dolores as well. And like when I'm, I have to mentally prepare myself to work with Dolores because Dolores, that same level of excellence that she talks about with her event planning is the same level of excellence that she works everybody around her, but I love Dolores because she has pushed me to a level of excellence that, you know, I would not have been to otherwise. But one of her favorite things to say is, this, this just doesn't feel right. This, this just doesn't feel right. And so other than that kind of like intuition, which, you know, since you accepted Christ, we know that that's your inner Holy Spirit. Are there any other things that you have noticed when you were in places that you didn't feel called to or you weren't, you weren't supposed to be? What other indicators did you have, if any?
1: So, um, one thing that I'm learning now, I have not always known this, but God is strategic, right? We be thinking stuff just be happening. God is strategic. Everything, when you are in, when your heart, and this is actually really cool, when your heart is submitted to God and you have a desire to honor and please him, even your mistakes prosper you, right? Even the things you do wrong. So, you don't have to live in the fear of getting it right. Because even when you might mess up, it still works out for you. And so for me, the first thing is I embrace the concept that I am always exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm a perfectionist a little bit. So if I don't keep myself in that place, I will be stressed out eating all the cheesecake and the cookies. Okay, all of it. And so I have to keep myself in that place because if I put myself in the place of, oh my God, I should be further along. Oh my God, I should be doing this. Oh my God, I should have had this by now. And so that is one of the things that I do to keep a balance. Another thing is that I believe in accountability. I don't understand believers that don't, are not accountable to someone. I don't understand believers that don't have somebody in their life that can check you and you Listen. I don't understand believers that tell me sometimes, well, I just, God is my accountability partner. I, I, I don't understand that because I believe in, in being accountable. And so in being accountable, the people around you are spiritually inclined to check you, right? I, just this week, one of my spiritual mentors said, you're doing too much. You have to start saying No. And I'm like, but I'm not married and the Bible says, you know, you go scriptures like what the Bible says, but I had to start pulling back. So being accountable and listening to wise counsel and um, always being aware with where I am spiritually. And something that I've noticed because I work a lot with women of faith is when you're not aware of where your spiritual walk is with Christ, you cannot identify your season. There is a season of sowing and there is a season of reaping. There was a season of my life where I was sowing into others. My mentor today is a billionaire because I sold into her business. I didn't know she was a billionaire because I would have made her pay me. But (laughs) my point is, I knew that God had me during that time. I was supposed to be sowing. I was supposed to be connected. And so I think it's mostly important for you as a believer to know where you are. And what season that you're in, because you can gauge your expectations by knowing exactly where you are.
0: I love that. So I want to talk about your billionaire mentor a little bit, because um, I mean, clearly, I'm a woman of faith. You are all are people of faith because you're connected to me. Obviously, there's something within my message that I identify with you, and that's why you're here. Because I am not secretive about loving God, um, but. Even in the fact that we love God, we have to be able to exist in a real world that's not always spiritual. We have to be able to function in excellence, show up practically. And Dolores, I want you to tell some of the stories about you and your mentor and how she's checked you and how that has helped you to grow. If if you're looking to be mentored by a billionaire, because we all want to go up to that person and be like, can you mentor me? Can you this, you're that? What type of person Is someone of that caliber looking for or looking to pour into
1: so this is the first thing because people always tell me how do I get um, an influential mentor and all of that Um, before I even say this i like to say that I know a lot of mentors and coaches they teach things as though this is the only way right the way I'm gonna tell you can't be no there are multiple ways you have to ultimately do what's right for you and what's right for your spirit but for me the first step that I believe into getting the right mentor is having a heart of, of service. A lot of times we see these people and we see what they can do for us instead of seeing it in the reverse. Because the first thing is somebody who's a billionaire, right? What, how is their mind positioned? right? Why, why would they want you to be in their space? Just let's be honest. How many people are in line right now to be in their space? And so for me, um, the way I connected to her, and I didn't even know who she was, is once again identifying our seasons. The way I connected to her is someone called me because she was hiring an assistant. I was in a position, I was in like an in-between season, like, I don't know what I want to do. I kind of thought I wanted to be an assistant to like a celebrity or a high-profile person. Then I tried that, and I was like, I don't like that. And so they called me, and I interviewed with, um, I actually didn't interview with her. I interviewed with other people because they layer it because they don't want you to know who the person is. So they'll like layer the situation. So, um... At the end of the interview, they offered me the job, um, but I knew they wanted someone to come on that would, be, that would stay on board. And just from a, stake, a place of integrity, I knew I wasn't going to be with her long. I'm like, this is going to be a 90-day job at the, at the most, 90 days. Um, I just do it going into it. And it was a very aggressive position. It was an assistant. They were paying high six-figure salary. It was a pretty aggressive position. So when I declined the job, because my decline, I declined it because I knew I wouldn't be with her long, and I knew she wanted someone long-term. She thought that was so, like, oh, my God, who is this young lady? She was like, you know, can you come back in and meet with me? Um, sure, but <laughs> I declined the job. <laughs> So I came back in and met with her, and um, we talked, and that's when I said to her, I was like, listen, I feel like you need, now keep in mind, I don't know, this is my first time meeting with her, I've met with her team, her team basically hired me, I don't know who she is, and so um, I was like, listen, I know you need the help, and I'm in a season right now where I'm not really doing anything, so I'll volunteer with you for a month, two months, and I'll just help you, I'll get your systems together, I'll do blah, 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 and she's like, Will you? I'm like, absolutely. Keep in mind, and God is so good because He knew if I knew that baby was a billionaire, I would have been like, <laughs> you can pay me a $20,000 stipend and I'll take care of your project for you. But, long story short, I came in and I started helping her. And lo and behold, I found out who she was. And um, she's local to Chicago. And I found out who her family was. She was born into wealth. And we've been connected ever since. And it's been about four and a half years. And so, the way Not just her, I have another mentor that's just like her, but the way they check me is uh, one time we had a, I only meet with her twice, one, two, three, three times a year. Um, That's when I talk to her. She's not my girl. We don't sit on the phone. Unless something's go go crazy, like I'm on the news and they looking for my body or something, she's not going to reach out. That's just how our relationship is set up. But this one time we were going to lunch and in the past, I could be challenged with time um, because my mama was always late, so that spirit kind of came on me. Y'all know what I'm saying? Um, so before I got delivered, I could be like 10 minutes late, not disrespectful type late, but 10 minutes. I get to the restaurant. We meet at the Ralph Lauren restaurant downtown. I get to the restaurant uh, and I, I ask for it. it. was like, oh, she, she left. She left me at the restaurant and I called her and she said, Yeah, my time is money and you got me, you should be waiting on me, not me waiting on you. So she left. And I'll be honest, your little ego will be like, You know what? It's because I'm black, because you know she ain't black. It's because I'm black that she did this. You know, because if I wanted a black girl, she would, you know, you start doing that. But what it was is she was calling me to a standard of excellence instantly. One time she met with me and she said, Dolores, where do you shop? And I was like, Mmm. Forever 21? <laughs> I like them. I like their plus size section. And she was like, yeah, you dress like a professional teenager and your look has to be elevated. And in that moment, because a lot of people who are connected to me were very offended by that, but she wrote me a check and was like, here, go elevate your look. Right? So it's a level of if you deal with... A lot of ego, and you can't be corrected. You can't be checked, and a lot of times these people don't have. She's not a, but she's not a Christian, so she does not have the filter of Holy Spirit like I might have. She's just black and white. Okay, she told me one day was like, "When are you going to lose weight?" Like I don't know if you know this, but wealthy people are not overweight generally. That means you're not taking care of your body. And the moment I see you, I feel like you're not going. To, you're not taking care of your money. That's kind of one of those things. Like, you know, as you like, let me get out of this Popeye's chicken line. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That Popeye's sandwich, you know, it's the sandwich fault. <laughs> y'all had it. It's why y'all looking at me like that. <laughs> but my point is, someone that God will call into your life that will help sharpen every area of your life. From the way you carry yourself to the way at the restaurant you might eat with the wrong utensil. Like, she she's notorious for checking me about. I'm like, oh, that's the salad. My bad. I know the salad for it. <laughs> Let me go on Google and look at... But, no, legit. How many of us have eaten at five-star restaurants and know exactly how to eat and exactly how to sit? I remember I would put my napkin in my lap. It's like she would criticize everything I do. She's like, no, you have to open your napkin like this. And it was a really amazing training ground that God allowed me to have with this pretty influential woman that to this day still pours into my life.
0: Wasn't that good? (laughs) I mean, one thing I love about sitting with Dolores, um, you know, she is a business coach to me. I get a chance to work with her. But like, you know, these experiences that she has, you know, I want to know what that's like. I want to be prepared. I want to be equipped you know, for levels like that. So I can appreciate opportunities like this where people who have gone where you have not gone can tell you the steps to how to get there. So thank you for that. Of course. So I want to talk to you about when you discovered your purpose. And I know it was the time that you were with First Lady Obama at the Ellen Show. Oh yeah. Can you tell us about that? Sure,
1: sure. So um, God is so good. So listen to this. So in the world of politics, things are very political. Okay. it is very much so like though we served an amazing president and first lady, Mm -hmm. it's political on the team, meaning when you're the newbie on the street, they treat you a certain way. I mean, I've had people take my notepad so I wouldn't be prepared for meetings. I mean, it's legit doggy dog world out here. And so this one trip I got called to. Um, I didn't get the details. They were like, hey, Dolores, we need you to come on this trip. Now, generally when I travel with the First Lady, I'm something what they call a the site lead, which is basically the event planner. That's the person that's in control of the site. You know all the different logistics that the First Lady is going to be a part of. This trip, they said, Dolores, we want you to be the crowd lead. I was like, okay, I never did the crowd lead. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to hold up signs and say applause. I don't know what's about to happen, but okay. So I get on site, and we're walking in the building. They're like, oh, the crowd is 250 teenage girls. I was like, what am what, what I going to do with 250 teenage girls? Like what? So low-key, I wanted to complain, but I promise you, in that, moment, in that moment, Holy Spirit was like, be quiet. You should be quiet and serve. You hit to serve. You ain't no diva. Girl, sit down. And so he checked me, because what I didn't realize was that this would be an event that would change the path of my life. And so sometimes when things are not the way you want them to be or you assume them to be, a lot of times it's God aligning us to be where we need to be because it's something that can change our lives. So here I am at this event. Ellen and the first lady sent 250 teenage girls to prom. Um, we partnered with J.C. Penney, and they were paying for the girls to go to prom, their hair, makeup, the whole nine. So here I am at this event, I'm sitting in this audience, the First Lady is on stage, this event was actually in Jacksonville, Florida, and Ellen was Skyped in, and the First Lady was live in person. It was on a military base, all the girls were military daughters. Here I am at this event, I'm sitting in this audience, First lady's on stage, she's talking to Ellen, they're talking with the girls on stage, I'm sitting in the audience, I'm actually standing in the audience, and this was the moment where... God gave me my blueprint for my purpose. It's one thing we know, oh, I'm called to women, but what does that really look like? Oh, I'm called to girls, but what does that really look like? Oh, I'm called to do this, but what does that look like? This was the day, because of Ellen and the First Lady, God downloaded the blueprint of what my life was supposed to look like, why I was created, and it was very simple. The more you get, the more you give the more access, I'm giving you access to tables, I'm giving you access to people. I'm not just giving you access for it to be Instagram famous, I'm giving you access because I want you to go back and give others access. And so that was when the my nonprofit formed where I want you, these girls, because I didn't travel out the country for the first time until I was 27. Um, I remember the first time I had, I noticed it's like, y'all gonna be judging my mama, but it is what it is. The first time I had tilapia, that ain't even no fine cuisine, but it, it was something we didn't eat in the hood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't eat that growing up. And so I remember all these different things I was getting exposed to. And that was the moment in the day that God told, showed me through the first lady, through Ellen, because people might think whatever they want to think about them. What they have mastered is going back, reaching back and giving others access to everything that they get access to. Right. That's a system. And so God wanted me to create this system, and that's how I started iGlow Mentoring. I moved back to Chicago. I launched this organization, and here we are eight years later.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I also want to talk about just bringing everybody up to speed to what you do now because you do iGlow Mentoring, but that really is your service. You know, I talk to you, and you say you put definitely way more money into iGlow mentoring than you get out, and you may not even, you know, take any type of profit from it, but you do afford great opportunities to these girls, but you actually do other things that you actually monetize. And and what I can appreciate about this conversation, because um, even the dynamics of talking to Candice, so I wanted to talk to Candice about how to monetize ministry specifically, but I know you have a different perspective on that, and I want to hear your perspective as well.
1: So let me give you a little bit. My first year back here in Chicago, I quit my job, um, and my job at PTA, and I moved back. I had a really aggressive savings account. I was the type of person, I was just really good with my money, like even making six figures, I was still driving my same car from college. I'm like, it ain't broke down, why would I go buy something new? And so I saved my money, I invested my money, and that first year I got back when I started iGlow, my first event, I planned on it being 50 girls. We're just going to have a good time. My first event had 700 girls. And every week that it would keep selling out, I'm like, where are these babies coming from? Because I'm not even doing marketing. Like this is all basically word of mouth. Uh, mouth. And so within my first year of business with iGlow, I exhausted my savings. I pulled all my money from my 401k. I gave everything into this organization, everything. By the end of that year I was homeless. And I remember sitting in the back seat of my car a little confused at how I got there. Like how the year prior was I traveling the world with the first lady and now I'm on the back seat of my car and I was mad at God. Like I was trying to be obedient. I didn't want to leave my job. Like I was trying to follow you. And that is where for me, um, not even just in that moment, probably maybe even like a year or two afterwards, I have had to learn the art of separating ministry from business, right? So for me, the way I see it, the first thing is the end result of ministry is to see hearts changed and people transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. That is the end result for ministry. The end result for business is to make a profit, is to be financially stable. Right? Who wants to be in business? You ain't making no money. That's not a business. You just volunteering. Right? And so for me, I had to learn how to separate the lanes. And it's very hard for people who have a heart for God. Because every time somebody like you're going through that, come on, sister, just come in the program for free. God go provide. Right? We do that. We, we do that. Whereas even I don't know if anybody else has felt like this, but I used to feel like the more I gave, you give until it hurts. You serve. You just do it all. The more God was in heaven, like, that's my girl, my girl down there doing my good work. That's my daughter. Until I learned, that ain't God. It's not. And I know it's hard for us to really hear and understand, but it's not God for us to completely deplete ourselves to the point where we're trying to help someone else. It's just not for me, at least. I'm going to say that. And so what I had to learn how to do is, one, I had to change my mindset as it pertains to money my mindset as it pertains to money and my mindset as it pertains to what God wanted me to ultimately have. And as I begin to change my mindset, and it's been a progress. I'm gonna be honest. I've had to go to therapy because this money thing is an issue for me. I'm learning. When you didn't grow up from a lot, right? By the time I was 25, I was making more money than my, both of my parents combined. When you didn't grow up, you don't know what to do. All I knew was to give it. That's all I needed to do. I didn't know that it was okay for me to save for one day when I want a kid and I want my babies not to pay for college. I didn't know it was okay for me to put me first. And so the balance that I've had to learn is one: if your heart is not submitted to Christ, it is easy to start growing in pride. It is easy to get to the place where you're not balanced, where it's like, "Yeah, I'm first and I don't care about anybody else." So I had to keep one: my heart submitted to Christ, and two. I have to be clear when I'm doing business and when I'm doing ministry. What I do for iGlow is ministry. I do not make a dime for what I do for iGlow. iGlow is like that hungry step kid that's always want to eat. That's iGlow for me. It's always, I pour more into iGlow, but that's my ministry arm. What I do with business women of faith, that's business. So I, at the end of the day, because it's business, I can be very clear on my results. I can be very, right now I have a mentorship group of about 30 something women combined and they all had to pay to be there. I understand we all have financial hardships. If you cannot pay the fee to be here, I'm gonna gonna put you, I got a prayer list. I can put you on the prayer list. And I know it sounds so hard, but I had to get to the place because what I was seeing was I was constantly depleting myself. I was constantly the one left carrying the bag. It's nothing like, having an event or doing something and everybody having a good time and all of that, and you leaving and that they calling you afterwards for the bill. That's not cute. And it's not God because what happens is we then bring this level of stress on ourselves. And then Lord but forbid, if we're married and children, stress on our families and things like that, all because no one ever, never set us down and taught us. Taught us how to separate this ministry arm from this business arm. And so it's not to say what I do in business is not considered ministry. It is, but I lead with business, right? And what I do with ministry, I lead with ministry. And so I do sometimes see it separated because God has called me to dominate mountains. I'm going to have access to billions of dollars at some point in my life, and some of you might feel like that too, where God has called you to have a great amount of wealth, and I can tell you a secret. If you cannot manage and process $30,000, he ain't giving you 30 million, right? And so whatever is in our hands today, I had to learn a system of how to manage what I have. It's just like that time So I eventually did buy a new car, but I remember I was talking to my pastor, and my pastor was like, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this luxury car, and when I get my luxury car, I'm going to keep it clean, because it's a luxury car. You pay money for it, you're going to keep it clean. My little Saturn, it's, it's oh, it didn't have to keep it clean, and he used to try to tell me, no, the mentality you have with this Saturn, you're going to have with the luxury, and I was like, oh, no, no, the devil is a lie, not me. I brought my Audi, and you know, the devil tricked me. (laughs) the Audi just like I kept the Saturn and what I learned from that is that that trait that pattern whether it's in a lifestyle whether it's in your money whether it's saying you know how we say man if I have more I'll give more if you got five dollars and you're not figuring out how to give you're not going to give with five hundred thousand and so I had to learn those systems and in learning those God has given me A little bit of strategy of how to separate the two, how to still serve unto people, because that's what, I live a life of service. That's all I do ultimately. But how to still serve as people, but how to also still have that business aspect at the same time. But it took me being homeless for me to get that. And my prayer is, this is why I work with women of faith, because I see so many of us going down those same paths where it's like we're so passionate and God is called and God will provide, and you know what? He will but God will also give you strategy. He will give you wisdom. He will give you, put you around people that have made different mistakes to where you don't have
0: to make the same. Love that.
1: In my early 20s, mid 20s, and even some of my late 20s, I prayed for people to come into my life. Like I prayed for mentors. I wanted to be accountable. I wanted this system, and it didn't happen. And I remember one day God told me that he was not allowing me to get mentorship or people to come into my life, to pour into my life in that season, because what he was doing for me, he wanted no man to get the credit for it or woman. And at the, to be honest, at the time, that sound real deep. You're like, okay, Jesus, but still, I need help. I didn't understand it, but now I get it. Because when I'm sitting around tables and I hear people say, oh, I made this person, or I did, there is no human that can say that for me. Um, Because what happens is um, everything that I have, I didn't even do it. I can't even take the credit. It's all divinely aligned, and God did it for me. And so I think that support is the first thing. Once again, I'm really big on this, identifying that season. There'll be a season in your life where God will, now my life is fully staffed. I have business mentors. I have spiritual mentors. I have a revenue coach. I have, my life is fully staffed at this point. But that just happened maybe two, three years ago um, where God allowed people to start coming into my life and allowed me to start having that. And so when I did not have support, this is what I wish someone would have told me. The first thing is, If you cannot identify that you're in a season or if God is calling you to something great and he does not want people tainting, because this is what sometimes we don't realize is that when God is birthing something, and this is what God had to do, deal with me. I told Asia not to say this, but I'm going to say it because I think it's uh, whatever. Um, (laughs) So I am 33 and I I don't generally share this, but I'm going to share it because I'm trying to paint a picture. I'm still a virgin, right? So there is a level of there is a level of pureness and purity that I just walk in in my everyday life. Um, it's not one of those things where I'm a super deep Christian. I, I'm trying to read the Bible a little more, but I don't read it as much as I would like to read it. Um, but it's one of those things um, I'm literally marked, and I've been this way my entire life. And so what happens is when you take someone that has a level of pureness, I screw up all the time. I mess up all the time. I'm human just like everybody else. But my heart and my motives are pure. And when you have someone like that, it is easy for them to get tainted because they're naive. So there were seasons of my life where I just... I, I, now my spiritual wisdom, my discernment is on point. I know right away. But there were seasons of my life it wasn't like that. And so for someone to connect to me and start mentoring and molding me and shaping me, my mentor now who might make mention something about my weight... I can separate it. Five years ago, I'd be ready to jump off a brand. Now, now I'm just like, she right. Let me go ahead and hire this personal trainer. Let me stop eating Popeye's five days a week. Let me just get it twice. you know. Like I can separate it because I have the spiritual maturity to do that. And so I believe there are some seasons that God wants to preserve the glory. When, when I get to where God is pulling me to, because people haven't seen it yet. It's not, it's not fully revealed. This is the surface. It's impressive to people, but it's the surface. But when I fully get to where God is calling me to get to, nobody can get the glory for that. It's all God. Legit, I can't even, my mama can't get it. She be taking it though, I ain't gonna lie. Um, And so I think if you're in a place that you don't have support, I would advise going deeper with God. What does that look like, right? Because people say that, what does that look like? For me, going deeper is mastering my quiet time. Like even this concept, I don't know if you guys already organically do this, but this concept when you pray and talk to God, give him a moment to talk back. I'm like, I didn't know that. didn't want to tell me that. Did somebody tell y'all that to be quiet? I didn't know. I just thought you just go keep, Kurt the worship music up and keep going hard. And it's like, oh, he want to talk too? My bad. And so practicing getting into those quiet moments with God. Not only that, practicing, there was a part of my life where I had to do some self-examination where I had to be honest with myself. Like, am I teachable? I am very teachable and I've always been teachable. But you can't teach me just anything. I'm not easily, I was the person in Sunday school when they were like, okay, everybody got a dollar, get 10 cent. I'm like, wait a minute. Now why we got to give it to the church? I wanted to give mine to the homeless man. I was like that at five years old, questioning tithing at five. And so when you're like that, I think sometimes people put a label on you, not really understanding that God made you like that. God made you inquisitive. You're not the person that just goes with the crowd. And so if you don't have support, I recommend one, you grow deeper with God. Two, spiritual accountability is so big to me. And even when I did not have mentors, I had friends. I have friends that were on the same page as I was. I have friends that like loved God. We were, I remember in college one day, we would literally, I went to Illinois State University. It's a, not a Christian college. We were literally walking on campus, he was like, you know what, We want to, let's just worship in the parking lot. We literally opened our car doors and we all was in the middle of the parking lot, oh, thank you Jesus, until the police came and told us, y'all can't do that here. <laughs> and so I surrounded myself, and one of my friends is back there who was uh, in the parking lot worshiping with us. But I surrounded myself with believers that were on the same path, that had the same heart to service God. And so, if you don't have the support, I pray that you that God. Well, your prayer should be that God will at least bring friends around you. I think spiritual accountability, whether it's an older sister, and sometimes for me, there was sometimes I was led to go to people and to just serve them, right? My my mentor, I was led to go to her and serve her. I was led to do that, and there were other people. So I think that even positioning yourself in a place of servitude. I think that at some point that will be drawn to you. I love that, I love that. So the last thing.
0: (laughs) The last thing I want to talk to you about is the power of vision. So God is giving you a glimpse of where he's taking you and what practical ways are you positioning yourself to that? For that, Because it's one thing to say, you know, I know that within my lifetime, billions of dollars will come, you know, through my hands. But one thing that my spiritual mother, Dr. Galena White, told me is that prophetic words are conditional. You know, so we get a word, we get a glimpse, you know, we know in part, we prophesy in part, you know, and the whole picture is not revealed. But we have to, we have to bring ourselves in alignment with that word, yeah. you know. And so some people, you know, will go and be like, well, this word never came to pass. Well, how did you bring yourself into agreement, you know, with that word. And so how are you personally um, working on developing your vision or positioning yourself for the things that you know that God has called you to?
1: Um, I don't know if anybody identifies with this, but I laugh with my coach with this every single week. Um, I come up with about 62 new businesses every week. Anybody else like that? Like, your mind is like, your mind always going. You always, like, you be driving. You're like, ooh, I'm going to start me a billboard business because you see a billboard. And it's just like, um, I'm like that. And what God has had to train me to do is, one, that's a gift from God. That's not, that, that, that we serve a living God. And when you're in relationship with the living God, you feel inspiration from that living God all the time. And so what I had to first learn to do is work what's currently in your hands. Like, that was so deep to me. Like, what do you mean work what's in my hands? It's like we're always trying to go build and do something new It said, what have I given you today to do? And how are you maximizing the gift I gave you today? That puts vision in perspective because it's like, well, I'm called to be a billionaire. Yeah, you called, but what did I give you today to do? And how are you working that? How are you monetizing that? How are you submitting? How are you training yourself in that? How are you doing professional development in that? How are you getting better? And so I think it's so important that we bring ourselves back in. And here's the thing. I wasn't created to just do one thing. God didn't make me like that. And so that's generally, I can hear a sound whenever I'm thinking about new mentors. There's a sound that they have because if you come in my space and you try to limit me to one, I wasn't created like that. I was created to do multiple things, which is why I run a nonprofit, I run an event planning business, I run a business, I'm doing these different things. But what I have to do is, right now, God has me on a limit. I cannot work more than the three things that are currently in my hand. And the agreement is, when I figure out how to monetize those to make $1 million each, Then I can start. I'm like, oh, I want my own hairline because I like to wear weave. I want a nail salon. I mean, I'm telling you, my mind just never stops with the business ideas. And so as it pertains to vision, my first advice is work what's currently in your hands. The second thing is educate yourself. Sometimes for me, um, when I'm working with people, there's so much spirituality that there's no practicality. Like, everybody's so, like, oh, cha-cha, you know, like, go real deep, real quick. But then when I say, what's your revenue goal for 2019? Well, I'm just believing God. No.
0: <laughs> no, legit. I'm telling you, it legitly happens a to me. A glimpse into our actual phone call. she be like, so how much money are you going to make? In-? I'm like, well, she's like, yeah, that.
1: <laughs> it's a legit thing, and it's one of those things where it's not that these people are bad. They don't know anybody. We haven't mm-hmm. been trained, right? I remember when I started working with, so... In my career, I was making multiple six figures, um, running my event planning business and doing different things, and I remember the first time I worked with a revenue coach, it was like, okay, what's your revenue goals? And I was like, um, I would be, you know what, if we could do around, one, seven, two, if we could do about this amount, and he was like, wait, you don't have this written down? And I was like, no. I didn't know that I was supposed to create a revenue goal. I didn't know I should have a revenue plan. I didn't know I should have systems in order. And so, for me, I had to learn and get more information, get knowledge. Like, we live in a day and age where if you don't have money, that's not an excuse anymore. Because you can get on YouTube, you can go on Google. There's just too many resources out here for us to get that knowledge. And so my advice is to go and start educating yourselves. Educating yourself, Seeing people who are where you want to be and watching how they move. I watch how my, this is something very, very little, but it's so important. When I worked with my mentor for those weeks that I worked with her, I remember she brought this Burberry, it was like a Burberry jumper for somebody who just had a baby and she wanted me to order it. And I remember when I ordered it, that little thing came up to like $900 and I was like, okay. I was like, this your cousin? Like who, I'm trying to get clarity on who this is. And she was like, oh no, I've never met him. I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what's going on? She was like, oh, but this is somebody that we are talking business with. We're potentially going to do a business deal with this person. I just want to send a congratulatory gift. They just had a baby. So what she first taught me is that wealthy people gift, right? Now, when I gift, my gift ain't going to be $900, but if you a new client or you're somebody that's investing, I'm going to probably send you a $25 Garrett's popcorn, Right? It's a system, that's a principle that the wealthy use that we don't know about. How would we know about it? How would we know in business when someone is doing something with you over a certain dollar amount, you should be sending them a gift? I didn't know that. And so I had to get in, get in all this information because what God was doing and what he's been doing is he's preparing me so that I can operate at that level because those systems work at that level. And so another thing that I'm going to share, and I'm very long-winded, so I'm going to make it shorter. But I was working at this law firm, and I was their event planner. I was planning all of their partner retreats and all that good stuff. And um, it was a pretty large law law firm. The attorney, one of the partners came to me and said, Hey, Dolores, we want to give this special gift for this retreat we're going to have. And they gave me, like, it was a little leather briefcase that had the logo on front. And the one that they gave was like $480. And, you know, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I'm going to compare prices. Like, I'm going to go find another vendor. We're going to make sure because I don't think this thing should be for almost $500. And we were ordering like a thousand of them on top of it. So this is not no 20 or, or order of 20. So I went and found another company. Now, because I am the only black girl... Um, and I'm managing so much money in this organization. I know they discredit everything that I say the moment I say it. So when I come to the table, I got to have proof. I'm smart. I've been around the table. I've been around this so many times. So what I did was I ordered from another company. I found two other companies that were selling it for $180, okay? I ordered the samples. I had them do the emboss. It was the same exact bag. I go, sit, I go to the partner, and I was like, listen... I got some good news for you. You're going to be real happy because, you know, you just saved somebody this type of money. They about to be happy. And after I finished my little spiel, showed him the things and he said, OK, great. I still want you to use the company that I gave you. And I was like, oh, OK. And as I was walking out, he was like, do you know why I want you to use that company? I was like, no. He said, because they're friends of the firm and we keep everything in the system. And everything that we do, we push to them and we pay their rates because when they need legal help, they come back around. They push it through us. So they created a, a system. They might tell us about this didn't tell about a system of how we keep our money flowing because that's what he was teaching me he didn't realize what he was teaching me but he was teaching me you get people that can perform at the level you want them to perform at and you create a system where you keep your money rotating in a circle instead for us a lot of times as african-americans we go this, this 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 instead of creating a system this is how the wealthy move right, which is why you see a lot of times in these wealthy circles, a lot of people don't realize this, people assume that, I remember there'll be times i would be traveling with the first lady, and i would be like, we can't get no better person than that to do this, you know, whether it was, I'm not going to say the different things it was, but it would be different things I'll see holes in the system, and it was like, oh, well, that person's in the system, because once they're in the system, it really don't really matter, it's kind of like they're trusted, they don't have to worry about their stuff being on TNZ afterwards, it's protected, and so... This is information that I encourage people to learn when they have vision and they're trying to figure out how do I get from here to there. The way you get from here to there is educating yourselves. If everybody in your circle looks like you, that's a problem. If everybody in your circle believes the same as you, that's a problem. If you get my circle of very close friends, majority of my friends are way more wealthier than I am. And the irony in it is that I drive the most expensive car and I'm the brokeest. Right? No, they joke about it. Like, we go out to dinner and I pull up. They be like, D. Because they driving Toyota Camrys and they like millionaires. And so, surrounding yourself by people that move differently. A lot of times when people are moving differently, my circle is not just African Americans. I have people of other ethnicities in my circle. And so, that has helped me get closer to this global vision that I believe God has called me to.
0: Yes, clap it up. (laughs) A good opportunity. Good Y'all was that not crazy like I was literally sitting there interviewing Dolores needing a notebook so I could take notes I mean gems like that you truly have to get from people so I hope that you took heed to that information and you'll apply it to go level up in your own career Dolores tomorrow remember that name this episode is brought to you by The Content House, a full-service media and project management agency, a.k.a. the group that has me feeling real official for Purpose Potential Podcasts. The Content House offers a plethora of services for entrepreneurs, small business owners, and creatives to level up in their content and media game. Whether you're talking about photography, videography, audio, or video podcast recording, logo design, website design, they offer the works in a state-of-the-art facility in South Holland, Illinois. I encourage you guys to check them out over at thecontenthousechicago.com. I want to hear from you. Take a screenshot of this podcast to let me know that you're listening. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asia Karen. You can also download the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube. Use the hashtag #PurposePotentialPodcast. Podcast. Also, if you have questions or comments, email me at hello at PurposePotentialPodcast.com. Allow me to reintroduce myself just one more time. My name is Asia Corinne McGee, and I'm on assignment to help God's kingdom ambassadors to maximize their impact. I'll see you next week on Purpose Potential Podcast.